Backchat. 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 Politics and current affairs. Backpack. Backchat. Backchat. Your alternative to talk back. Yes, indeed, you are listening to Backchat here on FBI Radio, your freshest wrap of news and current affairs. I'm Swathadas. And I'm Shami Sivasubramanian. As always, we're going to give you the news you may not have heard on your airwaves. That's right. First up on the show is Dr. Rachel Marahi, a clinical psychologist at UTS. She'll be explaining how the pandemic has affected our general well-being and how we'll all behave now groups are beginning to socialize again. After that, we have drag artists, etc., etc. And yes, that's really their name. They'll be breaking down how the drag community has reinvented itself in the last couple of months and what the drag scene will look like as venues reopen. And as always, we want to hear from you. Are you scared to leave your home after the lockdown or are you frothing for that palmy and beer at your local pub? Look, Mm -hmm. I'm pretty scared. Um... Of going out, but I will admit to our friends listening to the show that I have booked myself oh, no. hot pot oh, after okay. this. So I'm going to Spice World and I'm going to be smashing some hot pot because I, I really miss having a communal meal, but that's probably... Look, Shami looks I know. so disgusted. I'm completely disgusted. <laughs> I miss it. I miss it. I miss hot pot. So I am going to hot pot, but I, I'm not planning to go to any parties or socialize. Okay, sure. How, how about you? So I I'm an extrovert have always been an extrovert and I'm terrified that I won't know how to talk to humans anymore without a Zoom interface. So for me, it's not so much about wanting to go out and experience the things that I miss. Yeah. It's about me not making a fool of myself. So I'd like a soft launch into a being a launch <laughs> into being a social What's human stage again. Stage one for Shami's social isolation. <laughs> I don't know yet. We're still formulating a okay, plan. Okay, beautiful. Well we want to hear from you guys. Uh text us in on 0409-945-945 or tweet us at Backchat FBI. It is absolutely laughable. The woman's off her tree. Back chat, your alternative to talk back. Since yesterday, coronavirus restrictions in New South Wales have been slightly eased. But after being cooped up for so long, I think I've forgotten how to make eye contact with people. Life is slowly returning to normal, but while we are allowed to gather, the question is, are we ready to? A survey by the ABC has found only one in eight Aussies would feel comfortable attending a large event, one in five would consider flying on a plane, and only 40% would dine in at a restaurant. We have Dr. Rachel Murrahy, a clinical psychologist and the director of the Kidman Centre, to speak to us about what social well-being will look like after the lockdown. Hi, Dr. Murrahy. Good morning. Nice to be with you. Our absolute pleasure. So, we mentioned a couple of figures above. Only 40% of us would be comfortable dining in at a restaurant. Do you think these figures are accurate? Yes, aren't those figures interesting? I mean, I don't know whether or not it's a representative sample that the ABC has used, but it wouldn't surprise me because when we look at other surveys that have been done internationally, we're seeing similar hesitancy in going out. So... um, not a surprise that Australians would be the same. I think we've been through, we've been very focused to get where we are and it makes sense that people don't want to go backwards. So why do you think we might be hesitant to leave the house? Oh look, I think really we're at uh, the third stage in this virus and I think what this is about is more uncertainty and more change. You know, at the heart of this issue is a, a feeling that we want 
control or the perception of control. And uncertainty fuels anxiety, it fuels worry. We can't predict what's coming. You know, at the start of uh, the virus, when the social restrictions were coming in and the virus was incoming into the country, that was stage one. We had a lot of anxiety then. We were worried, would large numbers of people be infected? Would our families be infected? Would our hospital system cope? Would we have enough supplies? Then once we got into social lockdown, we were at stage two. We were worried about how we could manage um, homeschooling, work, uh, you know, the stress of housework and living uh, in a pressure cooker with other people. We were worried about boredom. And now this is the third stage and the focus has somewhat shifted but the uncertainty is still there. It's the same situation with a related but new set of worries. So we're worried about, you know, what's going to happen with work, what's going to happen financially, what are the new social norms that we're allowed to, to hug, touch, shake hands. Um, if we go back too early, is this going to spike? So, you know, it's important to say, though, it's normal um, to have two feelings at once. You can have excitement about loosening these restrictions and also have apprehension at the same time. So about 40% of those surveyed by the ABC believed it would be more than 12 months before things mm. got back to normal, at least more or less. Do you think social distancing restrictions will have a long-term impact on our behaviour? Um, I think we can look at sort of previous studies um, that have been conducted to answer that question. So a number of studies um, were conducted after SARS and, and one particular large study that looked at, they spoke to about 1,000 people and they found that 54% of people who had been quarantined avoided places, avoided people who were coughing or sneezing um, after the, the lockdown. 26% avoided crowded enclosed places and a fifth continued to avoid all public places in the weeks following the quarantine period. And then we see other studies that show us that long-term behaviour changes after the quarantine period, like vigilant hand-washing and avoidance of crowds, um, can carry on for months after the actual lockdown. Uh, I think, too, you, you've got to look at people who were experiencing anxiety prior to going into lockdown, and I think they'll be particularly impacted um, Avoidance is a common byproduct of anxiety and people having to get back out into the world and to face their fears again um, will be particularly challenging. You're listening to Backchat on FBI Radio 94.5 FM with Swetha and Shami. We've got clinical psychologist Dr. Rachel Murray to discuss how the lockdown has impacted our behaviour in public. That's right. Earlier we asked you to text us in on 0409-945-945 and tell us whether you're scared to leave your home after the lockdown. And we've got a couple of texts in. Annie from Pots Point says, <laughs> she says, see you at Hot Pot Swetha. My girl, oh. I will see you there after that. <laughs> <laughs> Annie, wash mom. your hands several times, please. <laughs> wash your hands. Um, I, I don't know how I'm going to be eating my ramen through my mask. I saw <laughs> I saw this funny meme of um, someone um, posting an ad for a mask with a hole so you can sip your cocktail. And then the guy retweeted it and was like, uh, now selling condoms with a hole so you can pee in it. <laughs> it is not the point of the product. Uh, so good. Um, Fahad from Glebe says... We should be fine if we keep social distancing and wearing masks. Okay, don't get one with a hole in it. Mm-hmm. I'm not worried. We just have to go from... We, we just don't... We shouldn't go from zero to 100, okay. which is very true. So, That's fair. Um, I think in another... I think it was South Korea. They had really good um, restrictions, and then they um, got rid of the restrictions, and then everyone had a big party, and then there was a huge second wave Correct. and had a lockdown. So 
I mean, exactly right. We need to stagger it, just like um, Shami is planning to do. Correct. With, <laughs> with my social, social anxiety, <laughs> correct. Um, and then the last one, um, Dr. Moore here, you might find interesting. So Jess from Blacktown says, I'm really panicking about this. I hate being an ISO, but I also don't want to get sick and put others in danger. And look, she touches on a really good point there when it comes to our mental health in isolation. We've seen an unprecedented number of people making calls for help to services like Beyond Blue and Lifeline. You know, what effect has the pandemic had on our mental health and well-being? Mm. Well, you've got to remember that before we even went into this, one in four or one in five Australians had uh, mental health problems that were at a clinical level. So for the virus, this means that many people who have already had problems uh, might have a new episode, but it will also create episodes in vulnerable people as well. Monash University, there's not a lot of, there's a lot of surveys out there right now, but there's not a lot of results that we have so far. Monash University have, done a, have released preliminary results on a survey they've done with 1,200 Australians. And they found that um, the majority of participants registered mild levels of anxiety and depression and 30% showed moderate uh, to high levels. Um, so, you know, we're clearly already seeing uh, an impact mental health-wise. And I think, you know, we can see a lot of action from our government and the National Mental Health Commission at the moment uh, to try and ensure that that measures are in place. And, and what I would um, say is that it's really important not to wait until it gets really bad either. There are, like you said, there's Beyond Blue, there are other hotlines available like Lifeline as well. Um, if you're feeling not like yourself or you, you, you see that this is impairing your functioning in some way, um, I would say, you know, try and reach out earlier rather than waiting until it's really bad to do that. And and there are free services available um, to enable that. So health experts say the federal government's recent $48 million spend on mental health falls well short of what's needed in response to the coronavirus. The plan also includes almost $30 million for outreach programs for vulnerable Australians. But do you think this is enough? I think it's, it's probably less about exactly how much is going towards these programs and how well it is used. Mm. Um, and I think we're, we're seeing um, positive action and we're seeing uh, the National Mental Health Commission being very active, the Health Minister being very active on mental health. It's all very promising um, and we'll just have to monitor how that is rolled out. So the state's lockdown is gradually being lifted, but how can we remain connected socially in the meantime? Yeah, well, I think now we're able to sort of go out and see friends. Like you said, go and have your hot pot and do some of your regular things as long as it's not in big groups. I mean, you're also able to maintain um, all of your virtual connections. You know, people now are doing so many different virtual um, virtual activities, virtual book clubs, online support groups, virtual dinner parties, virtual exercise classes. You do yoga via Zoom, um, Netflix parties, all these things that you can continue to do and... Gradually, if you're anxious um, about going out, just taking a graded approach to that. So organising, um, you know, a, a weekly sort of get-together and, and build on it from there. Just taking it step-by-step step and controlling what you can control and just focusing on the present. I love that. I live alone, so I've been, instead of texting my friends, I've been using voice record messages mm. to my friends because I just feel like I hear a voice and I feel much better about it. So you're absolutely right. Being really creative about it is the best approach. 
Now, Dr. Marahi, there are obviously concerns about a potential second wave of coronavirus if we're not careful. Mm-hmm. Is this something we should be worried about? And please, yeah. <laughs> please reassure us. I'm terrified. <laughs> I think the question is, is it helpful to worry about it? Right. You know, a lot of people hold a meta-belief that somehow worry is going to help them, that somehow um, worry is going to make a difference to what happens in the future, and of course we know that it doesn't. So like I was saying before, focus on what you can control, focus on the here and now and the present, because no one knows um, what is going to happen tomorrow. Wise words. Thank you so much for talking to us this morning, Dr. Marahi. Fantastic. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. That was Dr. Rachel Marahi, a clinical psychologist and the director of the Kinman Centre on our willingness to socialise now that restrictions are being relaxed. I hope you enjoyed that interview, guys. We're actually going to go to a song right now. This is an old favourite of mine. By Young Franco. I'm actually yeah. inspired by you, Shami. I love it. Juice last week. Uh, check this out. This is about this thing. It is absolutely laughable. The woman's off her tree. Back chat, your alternative to talk back. That's right, you are listening to Backchat here on FBI Radio. We just played at the top about this thing mm. by Young Franco. Shami was bopping along to that. And uh, just then we were playing That Year by Show Dem Camp. Uh, thanks for tuning in, guys. Actually, we were going to have um, Sydney Drag Icon, I would say, et cetera, yeah. et cetera, um, on the program. But due to technical difficulties, we couldn't have her on. Uh, so we're going to just continue talking about my favorite topic, which is the restrictions being eased. Because this is exciting times. And my birthday's coming up. And I'm just already planning the party of me and five people. Your top five friends, which I know that I'm clearly number one. <laughs> I've already, I've started, you know what? You really start ranking your friends during isolation. Oh, wow. You're like, who am I going to message? Who am I going to Zoom call? Who am I going to send a voice memo to? hundred percent. I've been doing that too. Yeah? Have you? I, I have. I have hundred percent been doing that. It's psychopathic. It me? is. It's quite cruel. Um, whoever's listening, I promise you're at the top of my list, all of you. All of them. <laughs> hey, look, you know what is top of mind for us? Definitely. We're both big foodies mm-hmm. and... Um, one of the exciting parts about the restrictions being eased is the fact that they're trying to, you know, bring cash flow back into the economy so restaurants are able to open. And I think the re- the rule is um, only 10 people can be in a restaurant or a cafe at the same time. Correct, they're that's putting, the rule. They're putting tables, um, they're putting spaces be- between tables and stuff like that. Um, so it's pretty interesting to see how the hospitality industry is changing. 100%. However, a lot of cafe owners do find this quite taxing and upsetting just because having 10 people in their cafe still isn't enough for them to even break even with their costs. It's actually not financially sustainable mm. even then. So the whole point of it is to Interesting. Uh, kind of boost the economy or really just kind of hopefully get it back on track, but it's not really doing enough, at least from a cafe owner and a business owner's perspective. Do you think it's it's um, a cultural thing? Like, we, you know, we're restaurants, we want people to dine in, even though it's not going to be financially as viable as doing takeaway, like mass takeaway. I think so. Mm. I think it's in part just the psychology of just feeling like everything's going back to normal and just hoping that that is enough to inspire things to go back to normal. Yeah. Well, look, um, Amelia from Dulwich Hill has actually texted in. Um, she says that... This is, a, this is a really interesting compromise here. So she says that I'm taking my roommate out to brunch tomorrow. It'll be impossible to get a seat at an Inner West Cafe with 10 seats. Very true. Uh, so we're going to take we're gonna get, do takeaway and sit in the park. 
which I okay. think most people are going to be doing. And actually, this is echoed by our um, EP, Nat. She actually texted in and she said that she went to a restaurant in Surrey Hills for the first time in two months last night and only 10 people were allowed in. Um, and that means that a restaurant as, you know, popular as a restaurant in Surrey Hills would be booked out two months in advance because they can only take 10 people every night. Yeah, that is true. Uh, but that being said, we asked at the top of the show if you would be keen yeah. to go out. Are you getting out? If you're getting out, 75% of our listeners did say they were keen and 25% they weren't. So I guess 75% of those, seventy-five percent of our listeners will be on waiting lists, I guess, unless you're lucky to, <laughs> to get in. And all those people who um, voted are on your blacklist because you're not going to go anywhere near 100%. Yeah, you're so scared. <laughs> but to be frank, I'm mostly confused about these restrictions. I was confused about the restrictions. I'm kind of a bit confused about them being mm. eased because, okay, I live in quite a small apartment. I'm allowed legally to have five people over. However, I don't think I'd feel safe having five people over. We'd be quite close um, in proximity. So, uh, and, and even with... Um, yeah. Well, yeah, you we know had I mean? th- No, we had this conversation um, before the show started, which is, uh, you were like, well, wh- <laughs> when you get corona, if five people come over... hundred percent. I was like, yeah, well, I guess... I, well, from what I can understand, from what um, WhatsApp forwards my dad and my mother has sent me, what I understand mm. of the restrictions being eased is that they're trying to bring cash flow back into the economy and they're predicting more people will get corona, but the hospital, the healthcare system can take it. Yeah, so for me, it's all of the restrictions and easing of them isn't so much about people and their health, dare I say, but more mm. about just making sure there's enough supply and demand of yeah. health care. So it's not so much about people not being sick. So it's yeah. not even about people. It's about the resources. It is, right. That's what it comes down to. And until we get a vaccine, it's just, can can we cope with what's happening around us, you know? Look, I, I also just want to say that I'm really keen for our listeners to, you know, let us know about, you know, things that are happening in the community that don't have anything to do with corona because I feel like, we're both going insane. I, I'm slowly. definitely going I insane. I can see you in your eyes. Every time I see you, you always go, how are you going? And it's the same. I'm mannequin. You're doing a coding class now. So. I am. I'm doing one of those Harvard free that's, coding classes. That's how you know that it's not going Yeah, well. exactly. Because <laughs> you don't need a code. But look, I don't need to. If you can fix the computers at FBI Radio <laughs> with your coding skills, that'd be great. Um, yeah, so, you know, we'd love to hear from you guys. Um, tweet at us on at BackchatFBI. Mm. Text us in, you know, let us know about things that are happening in the community, um, you know, that, you know, stories that are being left to the wayside because everyone's really focused on Corona. We'd love to hear it. Please do. Yeah, we'd absolutely love to hear it. Look, we're going to wrap up here. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Uh, We really appreciate your support. um, And thank you guys for, you know, staying tuned and listening and supporting FBI Radio during during times like this. We want to thank our producers, Natalie Sekolovska, Eden Faithful, Pip Leeson, Millie Roberts, and Vanessa Lim. And thanks again to our guest, Dr. Rachel Marahi. We'll catch you next week. But before we do, we're going to play a song. Is that right? That's right. We are going to play a song. We're going to play one of FBI's favorite, Thelma Plum's, Clumsy love. Guys, have a great week. Thanks for listening.